Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Tech in Shanghai podcast. This week on the show, I speak with Wolf Illing, one of the two co-founders of local O2O startup Saucepan. Saucepan is a food delivery company that focuses on providing ready-to-eat, great-tasting, and healthy meals using only the highest quality ingredients. Launched in 2014, Saucepan has slowly but surely begun to refine its product and service to one that is beginning to resonate with an ever-growing contingent of satisfied and loyal customers. The launch of Saucepan also roughly coincides with a fairly dramatic shift in the mind of local Chinese consumers toward more healthy diets and lifestyles. And Wolf shares with me his thoughts on this phenomenon and how Saucepan is, or will soon be, trying to accommodate this growing market. As more and more companies emerge to try and capitalize on consumer demand for convenient health food, it's refreshing to see a company that is so committed to ensuring each of their customers has a great experience with their service and a positive interaction with their brand. In addition to that, we also talk about the importance of working at a sustainable intensity when involved in a startup, how to compete against more aggressive and better funded local competitors, how to adapt your service based on customer feedback, why he and his co-founder decided to launch Saucepan in China, and the challenges they have encountered, and lots more. If you haven't tried Saucepan yet, check them out at saucepan.co or on WeChat very soon and give them a try. If their reviews online are any indication, you won't be disappointed. So without further ado, please enjoy my chat with the co-founder of Saucepan, Mr. Wolf Illing. Welcome to the Tech in Shanghai podcast, the pearl of the Orient. Shanghai is the city of the future. All systems go full steam ahead. It never stops. Technology, innovation, ambition. It's everywhere. Join us as we explore this new world and talk to the people making it happen. The Tech in Shanghai podcast. The future is now. All right, Wolf, thank you for joining me. Pleasure. Nice so, to be here. Thank you. And so today, um, I want to talk about the story behind Saucepan. I think a lot of people in Shanghai are becoming f increasingly familiar with what you guys do. And if reviews on Bun App and things like that are any indication that you guys are doing it quite well. But of course, any entrepreneurial story, any venture doesn't start kicking ass from day one. So maybe you could just give me the how you wound up doing Saucepan in 2016 in Shanghai and what the experience has somewhat been like up to then, and then we'll get rolling. Okay, perfect. Well, first of all, thanks for inviting me here. It's great to be here. Um, uh, to get started with uh, Saucepan right away, actually, there's a lot of story to tell because, um, well, I don't know if there's the typical way of starting a, a company, probably not. Um, our story doesn't start in Shanghai. It doesn't start in China even. We, we basically, my business partner, Simon, and myself, um, we are former hoteliers. We used to work. We used to study together in Switzerland, in uh, in Lausanne, in a hotel school, and then we started off as uh, hoteliers with Hyatt, both for the same chain actually, uh, and both working predominantly in the Middle East, um, and both um, growing tired of of hospitality or of working for larger companies uh, at the same time. And that's basically how it all started. Um, I think at the time I was in Abu Dhabi, Simon was in, in Doha. And um, we were just uh, chatting and catching up. And um, then we realized, okay, um, it's time for us maybe to, to step out and do something else. And that's how the idea started, um, um, about starting a company as such. Mm -hmm. um, so why, why, why China? Yeah. Why from Middle East to China? Why from Middle East to China? Because 
Well, personally for myself, um, China was always um, an area that I was very interested in. Never worked uh, in China before. Uh, I have a Southeast Asian experience. I have uh, worked in India, worked in North Africa, Middle East, as I said, but never really in, in China. So that was um, one of the reasons why I've always wanted to come here. And secondly, um, of course, we all know about the uh, opportunities right now in China mm -hmm. uh, in a lot of industries. Uh, Simon and I have always been in the food and beverage industry, so so that was anyway the case. That was anyway the area that we were going to do something in. Mm -hmm. And um, and on top of that, we had some distance, distant family already living in Shanghai oh, okay. for quite some time. So basically, um, we put one and one together right. and uh, and thought, okay, hey, let's go to China. So you moved to China when? I moved here uh, about, you can say, a bit more than one and a half years ago. I think October 2014, that must be. And as soon as you guys got here, you started like hitting the ground with Saucepan? or you started Because I, I remember meeting you for the first time. I think it, it couldn't have been much less than a year and a half ago. So perhaps when you guys just got here and you were looking for suppliers and all sorts of things for Saucepan. So you came and you just got right involved, right? Um, yeah. When we came here for that single purpose, so yes. Yeah. Um, however, we were actually initially planning to open a restaurant. Uh -huh. And um, when we saw the market in, in, in Shanghai, I think we realized that for us a better way is to go online. Mm -hmm. And then we created an online-based business um, uh, considering the current market trends and uh, involving food and beverage, of course. Mm -hmm. And um, and that's how we actually wanted to do. That's how we started with Saucepan. Mm -hmm. Now, Saucepan. Uh, first of all, the the name may seem a little bit odd for a, for a food delivery. Um, that is also because Saucepan itself has a has a history um, uh, and has gone through a lot. We have launched with a concept that has not much to do with what we're doing now. So basically. Initially, we, we analyzed the, all the market data that was given to us and that we and, and through all the different interviews and back in the day when we met you and had chats. Mm -hmm. um, basically, we thought, OK, the, this is what the Shanghai market is missing. And it was uh, basically an ingredient delivery on on recipes that we provide for home cooking. Mm -hmm. um, so we thought, OK, um, safe ingredients are a problem. OK, we'll we'll provide safe ingredients. Um, Finding uh, finding the time to buy ingredients uh, is a problem because people are are very convenient based. So mm -hmm. so we will do that for you, um, saving time. And uh, and uh, you know people uh, don't always know what to cook, and uh, we can provide the opportunity of cooking exciting stuff at home. Mm -hmm. And um, so based on that, we 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 started Saucepan uh, delivering pre-chopped ingredients. Uh, to people's homes for for home preparation for a fast home preparation, right? Like Blue Apron in in the states, like, right? Similar, like, yeah, similar yeah. to Blue Apron, but pre-chopped, basically. Oh, okay. Because uh, Blue Apron w is a is a, a subscription-based model that um, delivers whole ingredients. Ah, okay. And um, again, that was an adjustment by us, uh, thinking that okay, the Shanghai market needs something more convenient. Yeah. Um, let's pre-chop everything. Right. Okay, and then um, what happened? Well, yeah, well, <laughs> what happened is that we, we didn't quite have the, the, the pickup that we expected. Uh -huh. uh, to be honest, um, uh, it was very hard for us to expect anything, in, in, in fact, because we had obviously no previous uh, uh, sales data. 
um, we were not very experienced in the Shanghai market as well. Mm -hmm. So, um, so we didn't know what to expect, but for sure we weren't quite happy with the results. Mm -hmm. And um, after trying to, we did have uh, regular customers, but not enough. And after trying to find out what went wrong or what we could improve, we actually found out that people love the concept, but um, there was basically two major issues that we saw. The, the first one was that the amount of packaging we required to hygienically pack the pre-chopped ingredients, because basically the moment you pre-chop, you need to pack everything separately yeah. to, to keep it fresh and clean. And the second challenge was that a home cooking concept is great and people love it, but it is at the end of the day a concept that you would use uh, maybe once a month or once every couple of months. Right. And uh, I think an online uh, online business like ours is more based on volume rather than just. Uh, it's great to make people happy, but mm -hmm. you know a business only works if you have enough customers. Sure. And uh, and um, so based on these challenges, we did our first adjustment to the concept basically. And um, so we thought, okay, let's make it more convenient. And then we started pre-cooking and um, vacuum sealing pre-cooked uh, uh, dishes mm -hmm. and making them ready for basically a sous vide uh, preparation at home, which is basically a similar concept to what we did before, but even more prepared. Mm -hmm. And um, people just heat up their meals in a water bath. So it's like a max, like a 15 to 20 minute process. Right. All you need is a pot with water, heat it up, and heat your meals. Yeah. Um, that then picked up much better um, because it was, end of the day, you know, if I, if I order a delivery to my home, it uh, probably means that I don't really want to do a lot. Right. So, so, and we were right with that. Right. That worked a lot better. Um, but still, we, we did that for another month or two. We had a pickup, um, but still thought, okay, there's got to be something, there's got to be something uh better or something that you know we were still not a hundred percent satisfied yeah and uh, then finally basically moved uh, on to uh, saucepan 3.0 you can say uh -huh. which is what we're doing now which are basically um, ready to eat meals we have a great selection of salads which are all ready to eat mm -hmm. uh, the only thing you do is you put the dressing on top so fresh right everything all fresh, fresh now exactly yeah. all yeah. fresh um, prepared on the spot um, we deliver immediately or we can, or you can plan the delivery. So obviously there was a, a big difference in the, in the, uh, logistics structure yeah, yeah. of the concept. And, um, then we have hot meals, which we, uh, deliver chilled mm -hmm. because again, quality was one of our prime focuses and we wanted to, um, First of all, you have already a lot of deliveries in town, and they deliver you hot meals, and, and most of them great. Mm -hmm. um, we wanted something that where we can preserve um, the freshness of the ingredients um, and deliver it to people, and um, and when they have and they can decide when they have the meal, and when they have the meal, it is still as if it's just cooked. Right. So basically, what we're doing now with our hot meals, we're separating those ingredients that, for instance, don't meet that don't need heating. Let's say fresh herbs mm -hmm. or some garnishes like nuts and so on. We separate them in a little uh, a tub, yeah. and uh, people heat the meal first, and then they can put the garnish on top, and the garnish is still crunchy, fresh, and uh, and basically, you could say it's a, it's a gourmet um, a microwave uh, meal at the end of the day. Right.
And so, so part of it is frozen and part of it is fresh. Is that right for the hot, um, for the hot um, meals? Uh, no, everything oh. is fresh. Actually, okay, we still do fresh. everything fresh. Right. Um, so it just needs to be slightly reheated in the microwave. Yeah, it needs to be exactly. It needs to be uh, heated in the microwave, uh-huh. and um, and that's basically it. So I mean, there is a very there's it's still a letter coded, very basic instruction that you have uh, on top of your dish. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, the main idea for us was. Um, okay, uh, cold meals, uh, salads uh, are fresh as they are. The hot meals, um, we basically reduce the preparation time from 20 minutes to three minutes, which mm-hmm. is just the time it takes for you to heat in the microwave. Yeah. Um, there's no more real assembly because the meal is pretty much assembled. Yeah. And um, of course, the main factor for us to do that was uh, because we needed to enter the lunch, the lunch sector. Right. I think huge that huge market, right? Huge market. Yeah. Um, we, we are still uh, focusing on people who care about what they eat and mm-hmm. who care about good quality and fresh food and who are looking for um, a food delivery that they can trust. Mm-hmm. Um, we're still um, aiming for the same people, but, um, but the difference is that for dinner, a lot of people have plans. They go out right. um, or they cook themselves at home mm-hmm. or when they order delivery, they, they do it because they, they're, they're too busy to, to prepare dinner. Mm-hmm. Or too lazy in that fact, yeah. And and the the differences for lunch, there are a lot of a lot of uh, people out there who who don't have time to go out for a lunch, or they don't have the right options in the area. So the the ratio of people ordering a delivery for lunch is just a lot higher. Yeah. So this is saucepan 3.0 now, right? This is it. What we do right now. How it's many meals are you doing, or how many deliveries a day? Um, is it always one delivery per or one meal per delivery, or can do you try to batch them if they're going to similar? We yeah, of course we try and batch, but um, now of course the um, as we mentioned quickly earlier, the delivery model has changed a lot, mm-hmm. and we went from a extremely time slot based delivery uh, initially yeah. to on demand delivery now. Sure, um, we kept the option of planning your meals ahead, which means you can still order. Um, in the morning for the afternoon or for the evening mm-hmm. or even for the next day or the next week. Um, we kept that option, but we added the option of, of um, ordering for right now. Right. And um, that, at the end of the day, is the biggest challenge that we have today. Right. Um, Do you have your own delivery guys and everything like uh, that? We're doing a combination of in-house and outsourced. Uh-huh. Um, there are... A lot of reasons why to do one or the other. Mm-hmm. Right now, for us, the best option is to combine. Yeah. Um, you know, you want to have your own delivery, of course, to control the quality of the of the delivery, to control the timing, mm-hmm. um, to give your drivers training, to to always know how fast they can deliver, mm-hmm. um, to always be in close contact with the customer himself. Um, on the other hand, having your own delivery team is, uh, of course, a lot pricier, yeah. a lot more expensive. Um, so there's pros and cons, and for us, the best. And it, there's there's no ideal, there's no generic solution for for everybody. Every delivery business needs to figure out what works best for them. Mm-hmm. And right now, for us, a combination is the best. Um, of course, we try and, and combine deliveries in the area. Otherwise, it would be um, uh, impossible task to deliver right. anyhow. Yeah. Um, however, if you have three orders in three different directions at the same time, you need to send three guys. Right. So, so that is um, a big challenge in the, in the concept. Yeah. So how many, how many orders are you handling 
per day right now between let's say first with with your own guys and then i know you guys are on sherpas and yeah, if anywhere yeah, else yeah. in total how many orders well um that's hard to say of course um weekdays are a lot busier right you can say Average. that um since the last couple couple of days we've grown a lot we're still very young in the concept that we do right now mm-hmm. um but we're uh, definitely approaching uh, 100 plus deliveries per day mm-hmm. And uh, and tenancy is growing, right? And uh, so we, this is now we have experienced a, a, a recent strong uh, increase in in demand, which is also when we and at the same time actually because initially we had a completely outsourced delivery, um, and that then became more and more challenging. And then the delivery company we worked with um, had some uh, shortfalls themselves right. in drivers. Yeah. And um, that's when we realized, okay, we cannot continue the way we do right now. Yeah. And we need to hire our own drivers. And uh, so that's what, we, that's what we're doing and right now. And I've heard you talk about this in interviews before where, and it, it's a case with a lot of businesses in, in Shanghai that are founded by expats, where you kind of cultivate your initial market and perhaps some KOLs and get the ball rolling in the expat community. Because in certain ways and in certain industries, the expat community might be seen as kind of like, leading the market or more or more developed or sophisticated tastes and approach to certain products and services and then slowly obviously tap into the local market because any business that wants to have be successful or have a life in china i shouldn't say any business but a business that that wants to um, maximize their potential in china of course has to work with the local market so where are you guys in in that sort of lifespan right now like where's your focus yeah, yeah you, you're exactly right for our business to to continue growing in the future and to stay sustainable. We definitely need to tap into the Chinese market. We started with the expat market for different reasons. One of the reasons you already mentioned, um, the expat market is um, very aware of, of, of quality, very aware of what's out there mm-hmm. and very happy and very willing to try out new concepts. Mm-hmm. Um, secondly, of course, us being new in the city, we did not know many. Um, we we did not know the Chinese taste. We did not know the Chinese market. We knew the demand of the of the expert community here. Sure, but it is much harder, or it was for much harder for us at least to figure really really to, to figure out. Okay, what is the what is the local demand? Yeah, and um, on top of that, we started out. I mean, we we are a fully self funded company, so we started out with a very small team. So uh, on top of that, um, handling our business in two languages at the same time, translating everything and doing everything twice mm-hmm. was also from a workload uh, not possible in the beginning. Yeah. yeah. And I think also what's, <clears throat> what's kind of interesting about you know, a business like yours and others is that in the expat market, because demand for certain services has traditionally been uh, services that haven't been available has been so high because there's a lot of things that we want from our former way of life or back home that don't didn't yet exist here, but also because the community is relatively small, it's easier to make a splash, right? So you, you come out with something and this person tells this person tells this person and it, it kind of gets out there quickly, whereas the promotional and marketing and word of mouth channels for the local market are much more distributed, much more varied than, than the expat. So I, I, I think it's harder to make a splash. And of course, the interest is not quite at the same level yet for 
many things in the health and wellness industry because that industry here, while currently undergoing a growth phase, I think is is a relatively recent uh, thing. You know, for a long time, people weren't too concerned with with health and fitness and things like that. However, it's starting to come to come up now, which I'm sure is very exciting for you guys and pretty much everybody else in the industry that we talk to on this podcast. Uh, yeah, that's exactly right. And actually, uh, we can actually we can see almost every month uh, a growth and in interest uh, uh, from from the local community here in what we do. And um, I mean, right now, up until now, and this is basically where we're at in terms of uh, um, mixing both markets. We haven't uh, started any active uh, uh, marketing mm -hmm. towards uh, a Chinese client um, until today. That will change uh, very, very soon. Until today, our website is only in English, mm -hmm. actually. Um, but we have automatically um, experienced a pretty vast increase and a change in ratio of expat customer versus Chinese customer. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and that is very good for us because it also helps us to identify... Um, who is our Chinese target market? Because um, one, I think one of the difficulties of targeting um, the local market is knowing who is your Chinese customer. Because mm. you have a lot of different, uh, uh, a lot of different uh, Chinese markets, and you need to know exactly which one is yours. Because it is very, very, it's a, it's a huge difference in terms of the price point that you offer and in terms of the flavors that you offer and, mm -hmm. and, and so on and so forth. So that is actually now helping us a lot that we, we by, by nature, we're, we're um, experiencing a strong increase. And this, this if, just to interrupt you for a second, this, I mean, is kind of the $64 million question for everybody in the industry, right? Like how to pinpoint or identify within the local market your primary or your initial customers like your way into that market for the the ones that you've been able to attract for saucepan thus far what if any are the characteristics that you've noticed about them you know is there are, are there any that kind of emerge as uh any trends that you notice in in, in the, the, lo the local customers that you guys are attracting um yeah i would still say and that's similar for the expat market we have a a higher number of uh, female customers uh, versus male. Mm -hmm. um, most of them... No I surprise would, there. Yeah, <laughs> I, I guess, yeah. yeah. At least for the local market. Yeah, yeah. and um, most of them, I would say, are between 25 and 35. Mm -hmm. um, in term, I would say also most of them have a, a, a pretty good English, right? Um, which means a lot of them are, are um, maybe... Uh, Chinese exposed to uh, exposed to other cultures very strongly, mm -hmm. um, or or Chinese that are uh, born and grown up here, but really making an effort to to e expose themselves to other cultures mm -hmm. and eat better also. Mm -hmm. And um, so this is, I would say, in terms of spending power, definitely. Um, I mean, I cannot really give you a salary range, but <laughs> someone someone who who doesn't mind spending more than 35 uh, RMB on a, on a meal. Right. Um, having said that, though, our price point is still very, very decent, I believe, yeah. um, which is right now between 38 and 52 um, per dish. Yeah. So. And when you, when you compare that to, I mean, you could make the argument there's not many equal options if you're looking at the total package in terms of the health component and the ingredients used and all that kind of stuff. But certainly... 
there is for you know for people that maybe aren't familiar with the lunch market and the food market in Shanghai, you can get you know very very low price stuff, but generally you're getting you know stuff lacking in nutrients and not very healthy and just kind of your your mass produced junk for for lunch. But certainly, as you mentioned, within within the category of high quality food and and nutritional quality, your price point seems to be very very reasonable and that seems to be the feedback as well that i've i've seen on some of the comments on the different websites and and rating sites and things like that now on, on that point is this a sustainable pricing policy for you guys i mean is, are you able to make the margins that you're targeting or is this kind of a, an initial growth phase pricing and, and things might change in the future well um that is a very very interesting question um <laughs> We are definitely um, operating at a pretty high cost right now. Mm -hmm. in, let's say, especially in terms of um, food cost. Mm -hmm. um, that is uh, on purpose because we know lunch is a very price sensitive um, segment to work in. And we cannot offer the same prices that we did before uh, in, in, the dinners, in, in the dinner concept. Mm -hmm. And um, basically... We are right. We, we're trying to keep the prices as they are right now, and um, it is possible. Um, and I mean, we are doing. We are doing. Um, we are having a, a cost cost margin right now that is high, but potentially acceptable, mm -hmm. depending on the future volumes that we do. Right. So, um, if we don't have to increase the price, we will try not to. Sure. Basically. Yeah. Um, now, a lot of people these days are interested in nutrition. Mo you know, a lot of people are more and more aware of the importance of diet in a healthy lifestyle, in a fit body, all that kind of stuff. Is there any underlying nutritional philosophy behind saucepan, or do you just try to use you know the fresh, high quality ingredients, and and then your your chef kind of puts together great tasting meals or is there any kind of nutritional philosophy or diet philosophy that you guys kind of follow or promote? Um, I think first of all, um, at this point we need to sort of define, um, because everyone talks about healthy meal delivery, healthy, 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 what is healthy? I think right. first of all, we need to define what is healthy mean for saucepan. Uh -huh. And, um, in this case for us, saucepan, uh, sorry for us, healthy means, um, basically number one that we use, good ingredients. Mm -hmm. um, so basically no wet markets really, uh, uh, using suppliers that uh, that are trusted in yeah. the industry. And uh, secondly, we are talking about well-balanced meals. Mm -hmm. So you can definitely say that we're not using a, a lot of oil in our meals. We're not using any butter or any fat uh, as such, not too much salt, uh, not too much sugar. So these are definitely all components that we're very careful about. And... Um, but other than that, we are trying to offer a great variety of, of meals for different needs, mm -hmm. which means right now we have a variety of gluten-free dishes. We have a variety of uh, vegan dishes, vegetarian dishes, mm -hmm. dairy-free. So we are trying to cater to people with different dietary needs. Mm -hmm. um, however, we are still um, a lunch delivery that is target targeting um, a broader uh, a broader range of people which means we do also offer um, the more filling options which is uh, right now for instance like a beef stew or a chili con carne mm -hmm. 
Um, so we want to offer something for everybody. Right. And um, and um, so if you if you go on Saucepan tomorrow and you're looking for meat, you will find meat. If you're looking for vegan, you'll find vegan. Mm -hmm. If you're looking for gluten-free, you, you'll find gluten-free. Right. So so we're not specializing uh, very in, in, in one direction only. Right. So basically, foundation of fresh, healthy, high-quality ingredients, and then a little bit of something for everybody, even the people that have no particular uh, specifications or special diets at all, right? Correct. They, they might not even know that they're eating good food, right. but, but they but are. They are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you've been doing this for a year now. Um, what's the experience been like, you know, in terms of what you expected when you arrived and you started this on this journey and, and where you are now? Um, well, I think probably like everyone who is starting a company, um, we had uh, huge struggles on the way. We are still, we still have struggles. Mm -hmm. I think, uh, um, and it looks like you will always struggle. <laughs> yeah, you know, no yeah. matter how big you are. And and well, um, I think that's maybe maybe that's a, a result of always trying to push yourself. You know, always trying to push, right? So you 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 clear one hurdle, and instead of saying, "Okay, now it's easy," you yeah, say, "What yeah, what is the next yeah. hurdle? What am I pushing up against next that I can overcome?" Yeah, and one solution triggers another issue right, at the same time. Right. Yeah, I mean, this is um, if you're ever tired of solving issues, then I don't think uh, you're made for this kind of uh, experience. Yeah, and um, I think very clearly in the first year, two years, or first months, uh, it you can feel whether you are you are the kind of person that can can be an entrepreneur or not. Mm -hmm. And um, some people aren't, which is perfectly fine, and and, and others are, and I think. Uh, Simon and I, so far, um, we have uh, managed very well. We like the challenge. We haven't grown tired of it. We are, uh, we have never. It was never an option to give up. Um, hence, um, whenever we feel something isn't working, we're changing it rather than than throwing the towel. Mm -hmm. And um, I think, yeah, these are these are the, the 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 drive in us to solve problems or to solve issues. Rather than uh, getting frustrated and 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 uh, maybe thinking about quitting or thinking about changing, uh, uh, I think that is that is uh, what keeps us going till today, and which has brought us to where we are right now. Yeah. Do you? I mean, I think that's a crucial characteristic of anyone who, as you said, wants to be become an entrepreneur. Um, is there anything special you do? You know, in China, I'm sure there's ample opportunities to come up against significant challenges, potentially extremely frustrating challenges. Is there anything you or you and Simon do in terms of your mindset or like a process when you encounter a really big challenge or even a really big failure? You know, do you, how, do you, is there a way that you reset or do you just keep pushing? Say, okay, you know, that didn't work and we go. You know what I mean? Like, do you get a cold shower, go for a workout, go get drunk? Is there anything that you do to kind of reset and then start pushing forward again? Um, well, to be honest, I think in both of our cases, our past experience has helped a lot because um, we both had uh, quite high positions and a lot of responsibilities in our previous jobs, mm -hmm. which involved uh, an extremely high work pressure as well and a pressure of performance. Mm -hmm. And um, so basically that has prepared us um, to handle tricky situations um, maybe e easier than other people. Uh -huh. And um, so we bring along a certain routine in handling pressure and hand handling problems, and that brings along that brings along uh, basically a certain calmness and a certain routine in how to tackle uh, uh, certain issues. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and then second of all, I think it is very important, no matter how busy you are, um, to make sure you get enough um, uh, you get enough space from work and from each other. Mm -hmm. Of course, also not always very easy sure. um, um, to work together, just the two of us all the time. You know, it, you need you need space from from your work environment, mm -hmm. going to the same place every day. So no matter how busy we are, we try and make sure that we can always squeeze in a few a few free hours here and there. Right. And um, yeah, and then just you know uh, work out a little bit, go to the gym. I think it's just a balance of having a little bit of a life of a lifestyle away from away from your work. Yeah. I think I think that is try that not is to important. make it yeah. all consuming. Cause, exactly, because when it's everything, if it's bad, then everything's bad. Yeah, you, know, you need to be able to. You to will balance it you out. will definitely drain yourself, mm -hmm. and um, and you won't do yourself or the business any good. Right. And uh, I mean, of course, you need to you need to enjoy your work, and yeah. you need to do it because you love it, and do it because you want to you want to achieve, and do it because it makes you happy. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you need to always realize that a balance is important. Yeah. And uh, that's why you need to so force yourself to switch off every once it's in a while. It's a tricky thing that I think confronts a lot of entrepreneurs, where you know, just by default, you think. If I can't just push, 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 push all the time, then my chances for success are greater. And you think if I take my foot off the gas pedal and I balance, balance out, relax, exercise, take time to myself, meditate, go on a, a trip or something like that, then that's time away from me being able to push the business forward. And therefore, I shouldn't do it. But you know, time and again, through all the discussions I've had with entrepreneurs, the, the advice is always, take that time to find a balance to enable you to to reset to completely forget about uh you know your business for a little while and 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 get out and whatever your whatever your thing is go and do it and then you'll be able to come back fresher more creative rejuvenated more tolerant with with your partners and your employees more engaged with your with your customers I mean, it seems to be the advice across the board yeah i think that's that's the way to go if you want to be sustainable and if you want to if you want to have a, I mean, end of the day, growth is only is only worth something if it is continuous and mm -hmm. if it's if you have a, a month or a year of extremely good performance and then everything crashes, there's no point. Right. So sustainability is extremely important, and um, not to forget that we are in the lucky position to be two. Mm -hmm. So um, one of us can take a break while the other is there. So we can. It's, end of the day, it comes down to communication and and planning right. and. Um, uh, it, it's certainly a different situation if I am a founder of a company and, and I'm the only guy and I don't have maybe someone yet to 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 trust uh, all my tasks or to give all my tasks to. Yeah. So that will change things. But but in our case, we're quite lucky because we, we both can, right. can handle each other's jobs. Yeah. And how many people do you guys currently employ, if you don't mind me asking? Um, I think we have around, I mean, it, it changes because turnover here is quite <laughs> high. But I think right now we might be around 16 people 16. here in Shanghai. And how do you attract staff? Do you go through online postings or? Yeah, we do a little bit of everything. It's basically what we do right now is a combination of using our HR company versus um, certain online platforms versus... Uh, Asking our staff if they know someone or or through through contacts or, or connections, right? Which is usually the most uh, successful way to mm -hmm. find people. Now you mentioned a few minutes ago that uh, you were self-funded. Is that still the case? 
Yeah, that's still the case. Um, are you guys seeking external funding at the are, moment or on the horizon? We are looking for, yes, we are looking for money. Um, we are looking for the right money, though, as, um, I mean, again, um, it is very difficult to to determine who is the right investor for your business. Mm -hmm. um, so, yes, we're looking for money, but not just any money. We definitely need to make sure we have a partner that can grow our business with us together uh, sustainably mm. and in a healthy relationship. Can you can you continue on that thought and kind of give me a picture of what the wrong money looks like and what the right money looks like? Well, it, it, the wrong money can be there could be various situations. Um, it could be um, someone with uh, not a lot of experience trying to get involved too much or trying to to bring the company into a direction that it shouldn't be going to. Mm -hmm. um, that is, I think, the, the probably the worst case scenario in terms of wrong money. Um, the, the opposite might also be uh, not always the best scenario if you have an investor who doesn't get involved at all, which means, okay, here's the money, and now it's your responsi responsibility to, to grow. Mm -hmm. um, because end of the day, you're looking for partners and partners should bring along um, some sort of benefit to the company besides the money that they invest. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, th and these benefits could look, uh, could go in different ways. It could be um, that a partner has a vast experience in growing businesses or has, has grown a business himself uh, at one point or is maybe um, a strategic logistics partner, a marketing partner. Right. Um, so these are, thing, I think, are, are strategic partnerships that um, besides investment will, will bring uh, a value to the company. Yeah. And are you guys currently like actively fundraising, like going and pitching people and, and, and things like that, or are you just kind of passively fundraising? Um, it's, it's been, uh, let's say we're in between passive and active. <laughs> um, we are trying to pitch, uh, here and there, but, um, but we haven't been extremely active, uh, right. until now, but, um, I think we're going to now try and, uh, reinforce, uh, reinforce that mm -hmm. and be a little bit more, uh, be a little bit more active in, on, on that front. Cause I want, I want to dig into this for a sec because, you know, startup community here in Shanghai and China is growing very rapidly. And, you know, there's lots of VC activity over the last two years, lots of investment activity, lots of people uh, forming startups and things like that. The pitches that you've done, what are some of the positive and what are some of the negative feedback you've gotten after giving them? Well, I think maybe the main point is that um, we're trying to be, uh, let's say, too humble in, in one way, because Basically, there's um, there is a question right now. Since we are self-funded until now, you have a, you have a, two ways of uh, of thoughts. Basically, the first thought is um, you you get a little bit of money, um, obviously for a much smaller share of the company. Mm -hmm. To go the next step, you focus on that next step, and then you go the next step, um, and then. There is another way, which is um, you get a lot of money and you go all in, basically. It seems like so far here um, asking for less money and trying to be 
self-sufficient and and sustainable is perceived as not aggressive enough mm -hmm. and uh, maybe not bold enough or it's 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 perceived as uh, you don't believe in your own company sort of thing uh -huh. so it seems like asking for a lot of money is is maybe more what investors are looking for right so um, and this is what you've been told well, after giving this is feedback this is this is feedback and um, so basically right now we are uh, we're still finalizing our our investment strategy mm -hmm. so um, I can't really tell you what it is exactly we're looking for right now but mm -hmm. um, um, there's definitely thoughts uh, to change up uh, things a little bit right and, uh, and uh, let's see what's what's coming our way right because and and from the VC perspective you know perhaps first of all I'm not surprised to think that because in in a market of this size with this much activity going on I mean it, it's kind of a, a common uh, common comment but you know and I'll ask you perhaps an uncomfortable question right now but what happens it when a Chinese competitor let, let's say a Chinese a local Chinese competitor comes in notoriously uh, with you know a lot of capital behind them very aggressive developing very quickly quick to market you know there, there's, there's several examples of that what do you see is the primary differentiating factor between what you guys do at saucepan and whatever you know a, a competitor an e like a, a similar competitor might do in the future well um and and this is happening by the way this is happening every day here mm -hmm. we are not uh, we are not um the only player. Bl blind enough to to think that we're the only one here right and there will be more coming there will be a lot more coming the mm -hmm. the difference is that um number one I believe is consistency in your quality and mm -hmm. consistency in your brand promise. Mm -hmm. um, and number two, which is also part of our our previous experience, what we're very very strong at, I think, is is customer service because um, that is something very personal. Yeah, and um, that is something that okay, for all the money in the world, I can I can hire the best chef, um, but you know I can't really hire sincerity and. I can't really hire loyalty, mm -hmm. and um, that is what we are trying to bring across: um, is th uh, uh, that we are sincere and we are delivering a, a, a customer service that comes from us directly, that comes from our heart. We're trying to be extremely close to our um, customers directly, no mm -hmm. matter how busy we are. And um, I think so far that has been um, perceived, uh, that has been recognized. Yeah. And I think this is one of the key factors. Uh, end of the day, uh, I think service is still an area in, in Shanghai and China which is extremely, um, um, it, it, which is lacking behind, in fact. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And I think a lot of times those companies that try to scale so broadly so quickly, that's one of the things that gets left out, right? Customer service, because it's, re it's, it's difficult to scale the personal touch. Yeah. And I'm sure that's a problem that perhaps you guys will encounter at some point. And you'll be able to, to to manipulate it along the way, but we can't have Wolf answering the phone every day when there's five thousand orders a day instead of a hundred, right? That's right. Scaling will bring along um, a lot of uh, changes and a lot of issues. Yeah. And um, be it be it um, the the customer service, be it the quality in your production mm -hmm. in the food, scaling is always um, difficult. So. That is where you need to be very, very careful um, 
And I mean, we can only say what happens uh, the day it happened, mm -hmm. but we will make everything in our power, of course, to to make sure that the sincerity stays there. Yeah. And um, if we have the slightest feeling that we're becoming a, a company that is looking after numbers and growth more than looking after our customer, then we will pull the brakes and we make sure we refocus our, our efforts. Right. Because um, we, we can only be good in service if we focus on service mm -hmm. and, and, and we are in the service industry. So it would, yeah. be, it would be useless if we didn't. What's the biggest challenge to this point that you guys have encountered? You know, the biggest obstacle, I'm sure there's several every day, but what, what's one that, that you just found to be the most frustrating or requiring the most work to solve? Um, for us right now, definitely it's delivery. delivery. Logistics. Uh, logistics, yes. Right. It is the most um, uh, time-consuming, uh, most expensive, most manpower-requiring. Um, that is, to date, the biggest challenge we have. And probably difficult to manage consistency on that front as well right Correct. you can manage consistency what, whatever's coming out of your kitchen you can make sure it's identical every time but when when it gets out into the world it's hard to right. make sure everything right. stays the same yeah right? and and again we we have that experience in running uh, food outlets yeah so we know what we're talking about in terms of uh, food in terms of quality um now legit handling logistics here uh, is very very hard mm. Um, especially in a concept as ours with uh, on-the-spot delivery. And um, that is the challenge now, and I'm sure that is going to remain the challenge throughout the ex existence of such a concept. Right. This, this will always be. Uh, and that's why, again, we're... At we're, every stage of scaling. Yeah, yeah, at every stage. And uh, again, initially you might think, why do, why do people hire their own drivers? It's so expensive, much better. There's so many companies out there who deliver. Um, end of the day I think uh, the more you have your own drivers it's a way to con to control your quality and uh -huh. to control the speed of service and that is also very very important of course especially in, in, in the lunch industry yeah. um, people don't want to wait too long and uh, and so that's a, that's a key that's a key issue mm -hmm. uh, on top of that of course um, especially in Shanghai where the weather changes every day um, and, and according to the weather, your business volume changes every day. That's another challenge on top. You know, how mm -hmm. many uh, drivers do you hire? How many outsourcers do you use? And uh, how much idle time do they have? Exactly. And um, and what is and what are they doing between between two p.m. and 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 five p.m., mm -hmm. which is when when your orders slow down. Mm -hmm. And um, obviously, uh, you can't hire all part time because it is much harder to find and. Uh, um, and also Even more turnover, uh, more turnover. It is, it's not consistent. You lose your time in training mm -hmm. and hiring. And, uh, but then you have too many, you have too many full time and, uh, you have a, a whole team in the afternoon. Of course you can cover all that time in, in trainings, but, um, at the same time, this is also money. Yeah. So, so this is definitely a, a challenge that is uh, always there. Yeah. What's the most fun part about this journey that you've been on? Uh, well, the the most fun I don't know the, the the fun is getting up every day and see what 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 life throws happen. at you. <laughs> I think that's sort of um, that's sort of uh, what what keeps what keeps you excited. Uh -huh. um, sometimes you wake up and uh, 
two, three things happen, you have the best day of your life, and then the next day you wake up it's and two, three things storm. happen. <laughs> and it's a shitstorm, exactly. Um, no, that, but that's fun. I mean, yeah. that's, that's why we are enjoy enjoying our job. Um, I think that is uh, ultimately self-employment, and, yeah. uh, and uh, that's what keeps us going. But at the same time, of course, what Simon and I enjoy is, is customer contact, mm -hmm. and um, especially, of course, um, satisfied customers, happy customers. Yeah getting the feedback, talking to them, and knowing that what you do makes a difference in, in their daily life. Yeah. I think that is a very, very pleasing uh, part of Satisfying, meaningful Satisfying, yeah. part of what you're doing. Correct. What, what's your, where do you see Saucepan in three to five years? Yeah, the three to five years, what's the, what's the mid-range uh, plan? What's the midterm plan? That's hard to say. I mean, I one thing I've learned is that nothing will happen the way you plan it. Sure. What's the aspiration then, um, let's say? Well, three to five years, definitely, we want to not only grow in, in, in China, but we want to go international. Mm -hmm. um, so our plan is to settle the business in Shanghai, grow outside of Shanghai, and then grow outside of uh, China as well. And why Why is that? Why do you want to go international versus focusing on the enormous Chinese market? Well, because, um, I mean, ideally, growth can happen anywhere. Uh -huh. um, it is, of course, a question of, of how do you scale and do you have the right partner to scale? Mm -hmm. And um, it could happen tomorrow. It could happen in five years. It could never happen. You know, this is something that that um, we, we we can't answer today. Yeah. But um, of course, um, as any company, we want to go. We want to go bigger and bigger over time. And um, yes, there is a huge amount of opportunity in China. Um, but also, I think there is some. There is a lot of cities that maybe need some more time for a concept like ours. Mm -hmm. Maybe they'll be ready in three, four years. And um, and and there's other other cities definitely they're ready now. Yeah. And. Um, and so at the same time, there's also opportunities abroad or outside of China, which we would love to experience. Mm -hmm. uh, so you're not just not putting any limitations on where it might go. If you get Definitely traction, not. Definitely you not. know, in Thailand or whatever, or if that, you know, if, if all your data seems to suggest that there's an opportunity there, more than open to going there. Right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, now, I think I... I I think I know what you're going to say uh, to this question based on our, the conversation we just had about logistics and stuff. But if money wasn't a factor, you know, you walked into the office tomorrow and you had 10 million in funding, what's step one? What's the next thing that you do with that money? Build a huge kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? A yeah, kitchen? Yeah, yeah. No, uh, you know, every, every, every boy's dream is a big kitchen. Right, right. <laughs> no, but, um, no, is, that, I think, is that every boy's no, dream? No, <laughs> that's our dream right now. I think, um, you know, you have, you have there's, you know, a kitchen can be very different and uh, can be affordable. It can be extremely expensive. You know, it's, uh, you can drive a Volkswagen, you can uh, drive a, a Maybach, you uh -huh. can... You know, and um, I think uh, more toys to have uh, to have a huge kitchen is uh, is something nice to have. Uh -huh. And uh, of course, uh, we're we're also working in a concept um, that we want to be scalable easily, mm -hmm. and 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 which means that for us, um, we would like to have a central kitchen um, where we can produce all our food and then ship it out to different distribution hubs within Shanghai, for instance. Right. So um, a central production kitchen um, would be something very nice, mm -hmm. a large-scale central production kitchen. I probably should have asked you this earlier, but you, know, you and Simon 
kind of, it seems like you came together and the vision was very much kind of consistent. You know, you wanted to go to China. There was already some sort of relationship there. You knew there was opportunity. Has Shanghai lived up to your expectations? Were there any, any things, you know, anything that stood out as being not what you thought they would be like or better than you thought they would be like? Or was it more or less what you thought it would be like? Well, to be honest, I, I did not know what to expect. And, and luckily enough, I have seen a lot of countries and so that I don't set myself too many expectations. Mm -hmm. Um, because when if the moment you set yourself expectations, that's when you start getting disappointed. Yeah. And, and um, wise words. And the only thing is that um, I find I would have thought it to be easier in in many ways mm -hmm. in in some areas and and a lot harder in other areas. Right. It seems like a place where um, you can live the most international life uh, and you have an, a great lifestyle. Everything, all the brands, everybody's here. But at the same time, um, you know, it's 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 hard to find a, a proper mozzarella import <laughs> from, from Italy, you know, right. for, for instance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it is it is very controversial in, lo in a lot of things. Uh -huh. um, but end of the day, um, the experience is that uh, everything can happen and uh, everything is possible. Right. And, uh, and Shanghai is extremely inviting uh, for foreigners to open a business mm -hmm. and. Um, Yes, there are a lot of challenges, and yes, uh, it is very, very mind, uh, mind uh, boggling sometimes. <laughs> but you know, end of the day, you you, you can you can fix it all yeah. somehow. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I, I think I mean I I agree. I, I think there are lots of things that mind boggling is a great word that you encounter here, and you just think. I I, re I can't even come close to imagining the mindset or the perspective that allowed X to happen or allowed this person to do whatever it was. But I also think a lot of times the grass is always greener on the other side, you know, where, where it's always difficult. There's always these sort of challenges. doesn't matter if you're in China or Qatar or UAE or Canada or the U S there's always so many challenges. Um, but one of the, th the things I like to ask entrepreneurs and I'll ask you is when you, when you decided to stop doing the corporate, you know, hotel life and you actually made the commitment to coming here and to being an entrepreneur, what was that kind of decision like? You know, was there a moment you recall when you decided, OK, I'm, I'm going for it, I'm doing it? And if so, can you t can you just share a little bit about how you came to that conclusion and what kind of emotions emotions surrounded making that commitment? Um well, the the thought of doing something on my own has always been in my head, and um, now I know that there's a huge difference between thinking about doing something on your own and then actually doing it. Yeah. Um, but you know, the 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 time was right. I always, um, and sometimes I'm a little bit too rational, but I always told myself, okay. If I'm going to do something on my own, but before I do it, I want to make sure I have a, a certain background, I have a certain experience. So just in case anything happens, I have uh, something to fall back on. Mm -hmm. And um, I have uh, grown in my job far enough where I told myself, okay, now um, I have a certain status, I have a certain position. If something happens, I have somewhere where I can where I can go back to. Right. Um, 
so I, I, just to interrupt you for a yeah. second, I sometimes wonder, I mean, of course, that's the sensible approach, right? You know, whether it's your parents telling you or your, or your counselor, or you just come up in your head, you know, it's, you, you always hear it's good to have a safety net, something to fall back on. If everything goes terribly wrong, something that you can fall back on and do. But I do also wonder the value of not considering the safety net because I, 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 I wonder how often that causes entrepreneurs or just people in, in a variety of areas of their life to know that there's like this exit door in the corner, that if things get really, really hard, they can go for it versus the people that have no, you know, have no backup, have no safety net, whether it's the background they come from, the education they had, the, the work experience, whatever, and they just put every single chip in this one basket. And, and, and you know, how much harder do they work? How much more dedicated are they? How, how much further will they push when everything seems like it's not working and maybe a certain portion of people say, okay, well, it doesn't make sense to continue here. I'm going to go back to whatever. Whereas these people just keep pushing and seeing what's around the next corner and the next corner and the next corner. And, you know, if, if, if it doesn't work out, then maybe they're in a far worse position. But I, I, I sometimes wonder, I sometimes wonder how, what's the difference between people that have that safety net and, and the people that kind of do away with it and, and, and go completely all in on, on whatever it is they're doing. Yeah, you know, end of the day, there's no there's no secret recipe on on how it works and how it doesn't. If I a couple of years ago, I would have said um, I would have advised to everyone, you know, you know, when you finish university, it's better to to learn something first, do something first. Mm -hmm. um, the way I did it, you know, but um, now I know that uh, if everyone does that, there's probably a lot of amazing ideas and amazing companies out there that w would have never come right. to life. Yeah. Um, it, there's there's no there's no right way to do it if you if you have an amazing idea today and just because you didn't collect uh, 10 years of work experience before it's not a reason for you not to do it right. if you believe in something and you believe you have to do it uh, do it mm -hmm. you know and um, it's it's a matter of your mindset it's a matter of your your resources of course and a matter of um, how passionate are you about it if if you do something very well and there's a market for it, it it's most likely going to work. Yeah. And uh, nobody will ask about your, your previous job experience. Right. Um, in, our, in our situation, it helps us a lot that we have work experience in, sure, in, yeah. in service. But it doesn't mean that that's the only way that this will succeed. Mm -hmm. um, so basically, I'm, very, I'm, I'm, I'm satisfied that I have the experience that I have. But um, but it's not it's not the way for everybody. Sure. Um, and I, I want to ask you a few questions on the more personal side of things now. Um, and I'll start with one. The first one is, what's the most common criticism you personally receive? And I'm going to ask you next, what's the most common praise? Just to balance things out. But what 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 is something about your personality or the way that you, that you work that you that you get criticized for? Um, yeah, it's a very easy answer. Um, <laughs> It is that I am too strong in my uh, too strong in my character, right. and uh, I have problems. Um, exact, uh, let's say problems accepting when I'm very convinced about something. I, I believe that's the only strong will. Yeah, yeah, a very strong will. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah that is definitely my my biggest uh, issue. Right. Yeah. Okay. And what about what you get praised for most? What's what's one of your better qualities that um, people notice? Probably. Well, first of all, I think uh, my 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 interpersonal skills are very good. Mm -hmm. So I'm 
Um, and that is not only now, but also in my previous uh, opportunities, I've always been a very good uh, boss. Mm -hmm. um, and besides that, maybe my my organization and planning is, is something is something not too bad. Regarding the first one, the, the kind of strong-willed uh, nature that you that you talked about, is that something that you've improved on as being an entrepreneur because it's almost a necessity, or has it has it amplified this quality in you? No, I, I. Well, the the point is when when you, or when when I left my previous job to start being an entrepreneur, the idea, of course, was I'm going to do this for myself. I'm going to do this because I want to do what what I want to do. Right. I want to be my own boss. Yeah. Now, um, reality is different. You have, um, of course, business partners who have their own vision and mm -hmm. they have their own ideas, which you need to respect. And that was um, probably a bit of a... Um, I mean, I, I know that uh, in a leading position, um, ego is, is, not, uh, is not always very good. Mm -hmm. You need to know where you need to take a decision and you need to be a boss and you need to know where you need to consider people's uh, people's wisdom yeah and um, of course coming out of 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 a job and doing your entrepreneur uh, experience then suddenly you realize oh wow okay now this is what i want to do this is how i see the concept but now there's someone else who who has a completely different vision right. and now you need to compromise again yeah um so anyway i would be very wrong uh, not to try and improve on that yeah. because no matter how right you think you are um, other people are also right and there's sure. a, there's a, a lot of scenarios where I have um, not wanted to do something and we ended up doing it and it was successful right. and um, so I know it is definitely something to work on and and how do you get better at making those compromises because as you said as an entrepreneur when you got into this you had an idea, you had a vision, all that kind of stuff, and you want to execute on that. But of course, you're not alone in this journey. And it, it, I, I can imagine it feels very gut-wrenching when you believe so strongly you should go this way, another person believes that way. And even if you compromise, you know that's kind of a failure for you because you want it to go that way. And any way that's not that way is a compromise that doesn't make you feel good. So how have you as an entrepreneur... I, you know, I'm sure it's a humbling process being an entrepreneur and realizing that and being proven sometimes right, but also sometimes proven wrong. You know, you, you as you just said, you you kind of voted against a certain option and then it went ahead and it was successful. So that's a humbling process in itself. But how do you get better at that process of communicating and compromising with your with your, you know, your peers or your co-founders? Um well, I think the the only way is to 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 let go and not to um, to let your ego, not to let your ego take over, and it is that you need to, you need to. I mean, these examples of of where, well, that's why I'm, what I'm trying to to tell myself over and over again. Okay, um, these examples where you were so right, or where you thought you were so right, and then they went the other way and it worked out. You know, use that. In, in order, you know, next time in a similar situation, just let go. To help you it balance is, yeah. your, it, your... It is not easy because, <laughs> um, I mean, we are all, we all have our own, own personality and mm -hmm. to try to change that is not very easy. Um, but, um, you know, it's not life-threatening. So, right. so we're working it out. You live time. and learn. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
What is the character trait you are most inspired by in others? So when you notice a character trait or a personality trait in others, the one that you're, you're most inspired by or the most that you, that you think is the, the best, you love to see this character trait in others. Um, I think it's the, the ability to make other people, um, to make other people happy. Mm-hmm. And that is not, it's, I'm, I'm not just saying it like that because it sounds good. It is really, you, you can see people, and I'm not just saying happy, but you know, you, you know certain people, and I've interv- interviewed a lot of people uh, in, in my life, but you have some people, they walk in, and you feel like, wow, they're here. Right. They have a personality. They have, um, and, and in, in service, you are looking for, when you're hiring waiters for restaurants or whatever, you're not always, you're not just looking for the smartest guy who can learn the menu or, right. or who can follow the brand standards to the dot. You're looking... In fact, much more than, I mean, you have a company that's telling you, okay, these are the standards and mm-hmm. you need to follow everything. And then you, you're sending a, a, an auditor to make sure you're following the standards. Mm-hmm. But you know what? End of the day, it is about the customer experience. And and the customer does not care um, that it, whether he removed the salt and pepper after the main course. Right. You know, the customer cares when he leaves the restaurant, what was his, or what was his experience? Yeah. And and you have some people; they just have the ability to to give that wow effect to, mm-hmm. to 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 the customer, and and I admire people who have that. So people that seem alive, engaged, engaged. energetic, genuine, just you know, yeah, the whole just, the just whole there, pack. They, have, they have customer service embedded in the in their genes, basically. Right, right. People who they they walk in the room and you're like this guy yeah wow. because as you mentioned all the the nuts and bolts the menu the do this do that that can be taught very easily to somebody who is engaged and present and interested right correct so uh yeah i i agree with you on that one um what do you do when you have no idea what to do and in in your current venture you know when i, I presume there's been a few examples where you and simon are sitting around or you and the other partners are sitting around and whatever maybe it's a small issue maybe it's a larger issue and you you're like I, we have no idea really what to do. What's your process then? What 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 do you do? You mean in terms of solving situations or? Yeah. Well, any time of any time you encounter uncertainty, you know, and there, and there really is no path that kind of emerges as the 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 leading choice. What do you do? Well, do you take a break and come back to it? Do you? Um, yeah. Sometimes you you let it happen and it will solve itself mm-hmm. somehow. And uh, sometimes I just. Uh, start working on new recipes <laughs> and then, you know, and then, and then things solve, work solve on something yeah. else. And, and no, it, of course it depends how urgent things are, but, um, I'm surprised how many times, um, situations solve themselves. Uh-huh. Um, of course it's not an excuse to let things happen or to not care when they happen. Right. Right. But, um, there has never been a situation where there was no solution, mm-hmm. and um, and sometimes the solution is so obvious that it'll it'll just fall into place, um, or you know, someone very um, unexpected will give you the solution, or you know, a, t- a team member in our kitchen will will say something that suddenly you think like, wow, that, that makes so much sense. How, how haven't we thought about that? Right. Um, and um, we have a very nice team who who all have contributions um, that have. Um, all pushed the entire the entire concept uh, forward mm-hmm. till now, and and that's also very important that you, you know, y- y- again, you don't, you're not the one who has all the answers, and right. you're not the only one who can find all the answers, mm-hmm. and everybody has 
their own experience, their own life experience, and had their own uh, challenges to solve before. And everybody has something to say. Yeah. And and that is many times how you get really creative and really good sure. solutions. C creating a culture where everyone feels they can contribute, right? Because whether it's the driver or the cook or whomever, they're probably much more intimately connected with their day-to-day -day job than, than you are, right? right? Because you're working on potentially higher level stuff and empowering them to, and, and, and motivating them to give you feedback on these things, how they can be done better, how they can be done more efficiently is a huge, very important, uh, yeah. very important element. Um, what is your highest ambition for yourself? So we can, whether business, personal, physical, you know, when you, when you lie in bed at night and you think about everything together, the business, your relationships, whatever, what's your, your highest ambition for, for yourself? I know this is a bit of a deep question, but yeah, um, we'll, we'll go there. I have the answer. My, my ambition in life is to have a, a healthy family um, with enough money to support the wealth, I mean the, the health, sorry, not the wealth, the health <laughs> and, the, and the education of my family and my, my children. Mm -hmm. um, and that's basically all. Uh, to live in a, in a way that I believe is, is sufficient to, to bring up my children mm -hmm. and to make sure that I can offer them the, the, the health and the education that they require. Right. Do you, do you have children right now? No, not yet. No, not yet. Um, which superhero most accurately reflects who you are and why? So not which superhero would you most likely be, mm -hmm. like the, the, your favorite superhero. Which one most accurately reflects um, who you are and why? Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Curveball. Um, um, maybe in my case, and it's not just because my name is Wolf, but uh, <laughs> um, maybe Wolverine, because... I mean, I, I, I associate myself a little bit maybe with the traits of a wolf uh -huh. um, because I've got the pointy teeth. And um, <laughs> no, but at the same time, you know, it's, I'm, I'm someone who can, who can live alone, who can survive alone, sometimes likes to be alone. Mm -hmm. But end of the day, I, I still really need a, a group environment. Mm -hmm. I need people around me to support me, even though you can't always see it. And it's... And it's, I think that's similar to a wolf who, who needs the pack to survive at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And, um, and um, I like, uh, I love uh, people, and a close, people that are close to me and family to be around me, mm -hmm. um, even though, unfortunately, they are not uh, very often, uh, which doesn't mean I don't miss it. Right, right. Um, I grew up in a very large family. We're six kids at home. So um, I've always grown up with the, with the feeling of pack, belonging yeah. and a pack and... And having always someone around you, and you know, you, you got someone that uh, that bullies you, which is okay, because then you have someone you can bully back. <laughs> and uh, you know, so this 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 belonging feeling, I right? Think. So Wolverine is yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Um, if you absolutely had to trade places with someone, who would it be, and why? Gun to your head. If we had to trade places with someone, um, anyone. Mm -hmm. That is a very, very hard question. <laughs> um, well, I guess I wouldn't want to, um, which is which is a good thing. Yeah. Um, because uh, I'm I'm happy. 
uh, with all my mistakes and all my problems, I'm mm -hmm. happy who I am and where I am. Um, so I'm not sure if there's someone that I can say I want to be this guy. If if someone put a pistol on my head and said, "Okay, be be someone else," yeah, um, I'd probably be um, uh, maybe uh, uh, Sebastian Vettel. Who's that? Is a Formula One racer. <laughs> oh, okay, nice. It's it's funny. I asked this question. Of course, it's kind of a, a fun question, but so many people kind of give a similar answer like, well, I want to be me more than anybody, but okay, you force me, you have a gun to my head. And I think that's great that so many people, you know, you're not trying to switch places with Elon Musk or Hugh Hefner or anybody like that. You're saying, I, I think I can create the life that I want better than anybody. And, and I want to do that. Um, I'm going to steal a, a question from Peter Thiel right now. Um, and that is, what is something you believe that few people agree with you on? It's tricky. That I am not always trying to do things my way. <laughs> <laughs> because I believe because I believe I'm actually uh, yeah, well, there you go. Right. So so most yeah. pe most people think you are and you think you're not and people maybe don't always agree with you on that. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But the thing, you know, the point is they, they're not right. So. <laughs> of course. Um, okay, advice now. What are three pieces of advice that you would give to your 20-year-old self if you could call them and give them a, a bit of advice based on the years since then? 20-year-old um, myself. Um, don't do anything differently to start with. Um, Uh, yeah, I think yeah. That kind of kind of kills yeah. the other two pieces. Yeah, I mean. Um, so just embrace embrace the unknown. Yeah, don't feel mm -hmm. don't feel guilty for the for the sins that you do, because mm -hmm. um, they have all been within certain limits, of course. Right, I, right. I, I, you know, haven't killed anybody. No, I haven't killed anybody. <laughs> um, yes, I think so. Maybe uh, if you ask myself, what are the advices I give myself when I was. Uh, 14 or 15, I would have a few things to say. But okay, let's take those. If, the, if there's nothing for the 20-year-old. <laughs> okay, uh, when I was 14, maybe be a little more humble. Uh -huh. um, but that's something that um, I learned later on. I was a little bit of a, of a clown when I was younger. Mm -hmm. um, maybe focus a little bit more on, on education because it's not so bad after all. Right. Um, and uh, start drinking a little bit later. <laughs> in life so yeah but um, you know again all of these things balanced out sure sure so, yeah um, okay what are, what about three pieces of advice for that you can give to other people based on your experiences that will help them for lack of a better term kick more ass in life so whether it's career relational physical health whatever what are three pieces of advice or mindset psycho psychological that you would give people to kick ass in life, do better in life, achieve what they want to achieve? Uh, first of all, I think um, always be open for all the options and uh, um, don't narrow anything out because it feels uncomfortable. Um, being, be, be it, uh, on, you know, go out there, travel the world, experience things. Uh, don't be too narrow-minded, mm -hmm. basically. Um, another thing... 
Yeah, you know, I'm 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 usually very good at giving advice, but then when it counts, I'm I, I kind of when the suck. mic is on. Yeah, no, you know, it, listen listen to people around you, but make your own make your own opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody knows when when they are wrong, but you know, it is very hard to act on 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 other people's advice when you when you know sometimes you just you just do things the way you do them because that's who you are mm-hmm. but you know sometimes you need to be better than that and and jump over your own shadow and, yeah. and you know listen to other people but then also always balance out you know everyone knows inside what's right right and everyone hopefully has not everyone but uh, luckily a lot of people have good friends good people around them that can give them good advice you know don't be afraid to take it and don't be afraid to 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 act on it mm-hmm and um yeah have uh, have fun i mean uh, uh find the right balance in life basically right. you know don't focus uh, everything on on education don't focus everything on just going out getting wild but find the right balance that makes you happy and mm-hmm. uh, and uh, don't let other people influence uh, who you are and what you like right do you have a favorite book throughout your you know your journey whether it's it helps you on your entrepreneurial journey or just your personal development that that you could share with us um i'm not the biggest reader in the world especially currently um i would i usually love books um that involve other cultures mm-hmm. and about stories uh, um in in other cultures and basically uh, for me good read is any 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 book that you know tells a story about uh, exotic places mm-hmm. uh, that not everybody knows be it in the middle east uh in africa or or in in asia basically right and of course other than the wellness in china podcast what other podcasts are you currently listening to if any um besides yours <laughs> <laughs> um not so many i'm i'm not uh, i'm not the biggest podcaster uh-huh um yeah i'm i'm basically uh basically that's it so if there's not not much reading not much podcasting we talked about this balance issue earlier when you're not working how do you get your kicks what how do you unwind well um i do read sometimes uh-huh. uh, of course i mean i do read but i i read um other stuff i read online and um i love i love doing sports uh-huh. i love doing physical activities i love uh, enjoying uh, things outdoors. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that is um, the greatest passion of mine. Um, not all of the things I, I used to pursue I can pursue over here, mm-hmm. but I have other things that I like. And um, I like, you know, taking the bike and, and, and just riding the bike somewhere. Right. Um, my current fiancé is, uh, you know, taking me to a lot of exhibitions and museums, which I... Um, enjoy a lot there's mm-hmm. great stuff to see here in shanghai as well right um so these are the kind of things i do and then of, of course besides that i love experiencing uh, restaurants sure new concepts old concepts good food i love food mm-hmm. um, i love cooking and um yeah and uh, if there's a good movie i love to watch that as well right so the last question before the last few rapid fire ones is I think right now, especially in the health and wellness industry, but pretty much in in all industries, especially consumer-facing industries, there's lots of great brands bubbling up in in Shanghai over the last couple of years. I won't ask you for your favorite, but can you tell me a brand other than Saucepan that 
you think is just doing a really good job, you know, their service, their branding, their content, their connection with their, their customers that you think is, is doing a great job here in Shanghai? Um, and it's kind of startup focused, you know, not yeah. Disney or anything yeah. like that. Um, yeah, I would probably in this case go for, that is hard to say, you know, there's a lot of people who, who do a lot of good stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, for instance, um, Sprout Lifestyle, I'm not saying that because of you, but they are doing something very, very strong in terms of what they believe. Mm -hmm. And they have, you know, they're very sincere in right. what they do. And right. that is, for instance, something that I really, really admire because mm -hmm. um, running sincere businesses today is are, are rare to find. Mm -hmm. And um, it's not all about... Um, Yes, you need a market, but uh, you know it's not all about popularity. It's sometimes you need to find your niche, and I think they have found a great niche, mm -hmm. and they're very successful with it. Great. Well, Ki Kimberly will be very happy yeah. to hear, you, hear, hear that. Uh, okay, the last few questions are rapid fire, okay? So they're word association questions. So don't think. One word answers. That's it. Okay? Right. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Future of food. Health. This was that one was kind of a layup for a saucepan, right. but okay, yeah. take health. <laughs> saucepan isn't the only option. Yeah. I wish, but O two O. Food. Healthy eating. Saucepan. There we go. Chinese health and wellness consumer. Growing. Shanghai. Diverse. Entrepreneurship. Damn hard. Passion. Necessary. Wolf Illing. Difficult. <laughs> awesome. Well, Wolf, thank you so much for for giving me the time today. I'm sure the kitchen is kind of uh, hates when when you're away for this long, and I know you've got lots on your plate. So I really appreciate you you coming over and and having a chat with me. Is there any information that you want to put out regarding websites, emails, contents, blogs, anything like that, or or maybe even describe uh, how to order from Saucepan for people that have never done it? Yeah, I think um, right now the best way to order is from the website, www.saucepan.co, mm -hmm. not com, but co. Um, we are, no, there's a lot of exciting things coming up uh, with Saucepan. We're working on great new recipes. We're going to come up with a new style pretty soon, which I think um, creates uh, something else which people don't have yet in Shanghai. So it's definitely worth it staying tuned. Um, I would highly recommend to follow our, our WeChat uh, which you will find if you if you just look up saucepan and uh, our wechat uh, store is opening up by the end of this month so you can oh, order right. us through wechat directly which will be a great help and, yeah, uh, yeah I, stay I, tuned i think that would be a, a popular portal for a lot of people because so, we, yeah. we all know even am, amongst ex, expats how much wechat is integrated into our lives so i, I think you'll you guys will notice a, a, a bump from that for sure exactly that's something overdue to come and yeah. it will finally it'll finally be here awesome very soon so very exciting cool well well thank you again for joining me on the show and uh, everybody we will see you next time thanks for listening great thank you very much take care bye-bye Thanks for listening to the Tech in Shanghai podcast. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Tech in Shanghai for everything tech from Shanghai and China. See you next time.